Hello and welcome to the Fourth and Short podcast, the uh, CSR official podcast for SB Nation. And uh, we don't call it Fourth and Long because that'd be way too real for the Carolina Panthers. Um, so I'm joining. I'm here with uh, John and Brad for our second official podcast. How you guys doing? It's a redo of the first one. Remember that? What? It's a false start. First one was a false start. We're redoing. Oh, that's We're right. Redoing yeah, the first false one. start. Yeah, good God. <laughs> 20 seconds in, and it's already ruined. Uh, this is It's oh the common theme. It's kind of our running gag, I guess, is we're just going to like ruin the intro. You know, we right really should just do that every time. <laughs> Brian, you should just ruin the intro every time. Oh, my God. I, I mean, I'm say, totally I'm good at that. Out so we've, we've had a few, we've had a few uh, recuts of that, so I can definitely ruin the start every time. <laughs> I mean, that could be our thing. We, we could even just call this false start. <laughs> every every single episode starts with a false start. Which, yeah, or is that also too realistic for the Panthers? Oh, that, that hurts. <laughs> that hurts. So, um, we'll I guess to start here. with the uh, we've already we've already had our false start penalty. It's first fifteen. So, uh, I guess the best way to start this podcast is uh, I know you guys both went to training camp. So, uh, why don't you give us a rundown of uh, your experience there? Uh, well, that was the first time I've ever been, so I can't compare it to anything. So, Brad, why don't you tell us uh, how it compared to your past experiences? Because I know you guys said while we were there that it was a little bit of a letdown compared to other times, just because of the how far away they did all the fun stuff. Yeah, it, it was a letdown. Uh, usually, we're able to see practice better than we, we were on Saturday when we were all there, because they usually practice on the field that's closer to the hill where all the fans sit. Yeah. And on Saturday, they 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 practiced in the field, so it was hard to, to see what was going on. Um, one of the bright sides, though, was the weather was much nicer than it usually is in Spartanburg in July. It was, you know, 85-ish degrees, and there was a breeze blowing. It wasn't as bad as it normally is whenever yeah, that's we not go. To say. That was not to say it was pleasant by any means, but... It no, it, it wasn't pleasant by any means, but, but compared to the past, it was actually very, very pleasant. Yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't like overbearing. Like I only got a little sunburn, and I didn't even put sunscreen on, and I was wearing a tank top. So that kind of explains how the the weather was. But yeah, it was disappointing because it was like the the few things they did do on the field in front of us were nothing that we could actually glean any information from. Like there was nothing where quarterbacks were throwing to receivers or linemen were going up against each other. It was just like generic linebackers going through two reps of a single drill, like catching a football, and then moving on to the next activity. It's like, oh, wow, our guys could have hands at work. That's not worth, yeah, the, the, worth the most, two hours the in the sun exciting, for this. Yeah, the, the most exciting thing we saw was the, the punter. I think it was it Michael Pilardi. He can uh, drop a ball down with his oh, yeah. foot. And make it that that was about the most exciting thing. I, I, I missed that too. I only saw the tail end of it. He like where he like dropped it and he kind of little little soccer footwork and had it just twirling around like a Steve Smith celebration. I only saw the tail end of it. I, I missed it. Very disappointed. Yeah. Butker looked good in front of us though. Saw him. Yeah, we did. We yeah we did stretch. get to see Butker. 
we watched him stretch while Graham Gano just just uh chatted it up with Jansen and and Lee while uh Bucker putting in the work. So you know, very indicative of how things are going. I think. Yeah. Um, he did. Bucker did look good though from the little bit I watched. Like he hit, we say like fifty six yarder to end uh, the team field goal drills. At the end. Yeah, okay. it looked like about 55, 56 yards, and he, he nailed it. It looked like it would have been good from 60. So, I mean, More than that, yeah, it was, it was way over. So that was good. Yeah. Well, can, that, is, is he uh, replacing that? I was just going to ask, is he replacing that uh, hole that Brad Norman left for you, BW? He could be. If he doesn't get cut. He could be. If, if he, he doesn't get cut. Yeah, he's got the yeah. – the, um, I think he's got the advantage over Norman in that he's just got a great name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Easier to be a fan favorite when you have a name that's easily uh, punnable and making and a fantasy football nameable. Mm. Oh yeah, I'm definitely hoping he he makes the team just so I can use use him in my fantasy name. So yeah, I um the other thing off apart from well, is there anything else from the field that we saw that was worth? Oh, they didn't sign anything. That was weird. Talked yeah, about, I'm very disappointed in that, and I'm going to go ahead and get that ran out of the way now because, you know, I've, it's, it's been bothering me since Saturday. <laughs> Nobody signed anything. The only two or three players who signed anything were Ben Bolware, Demir Bird, and, and Harrison Butker, and yeah. that was it. Everybody else went straight to the locker room. I saw a couple uh, guys. I, I saw Khalil and Olsen signing a little bit on the along the railing on the way to the locker room. But Keekley, I guess, didn't stop till the very end. Like everybody else, straight to the locker room, which was. You think of all the days for them to stop and sign would be the day when it is uh, probably the least hot that they're going to be, the least amount of heat they're going to be in all camp. Yeah, but, and I've been several times, and and like I've said, you know, before, this is the first time I've ever seen it where they didn't sign at all. You know, yeah. uh, it, it was just it was weird. My theory was that like. Since it was so, since it was the, probably the busiest day that they'll have at camp, that maybe they were just overwhelmed by the numbers. But Walker told me that that they have seen them sign much longer with much more people crowding the railings for for autographs. Yeah, that yeah, the um, attendance on Saturday when we were there was kind of low. Honestly, I, I've seen them sign much more than yeah. So than what what was there on Saturday? Uh, I, I don't know what was going on. I when I interviewed Mike Kraft, I asked him about it. I you know I said you know was there was there an issue with practice? Was Ron unhappy with practice or you know something like that? And he said not that he knew of. He said that they probably just didn't feel like signing. So yeah, which is eh, I mean I can't blame him. I if we're being honest, I probably would hardly if like if I were in their position, I probably wouldn't sign very much. Just yeah, I know you're supposed to give back to the fans, but I mean I just. I've just been out in this heat for two hours with pads on and and hot and tired. And the last thing I want to do is bake in the sun and write my name on stuff for kids that are going to lose it in the next six months or to adults that are going to sell it. Yeah, I have a hard time signing stuff too because like you just pointed out, most of those people are looking for a quick buck to make on eBay. And, you know, I'm not really all about that, especially if I've been out in the sun for two hours. Or they're trying to have you sign something ridiculous like a gnome. But yeah, who would yeah. ever do that? Hey, 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 hey! There's nothing wrong with getting a gnome signed. <laughs> <laughs> I got to make sure I don't forget to do that when I go back on uh, next Saturday. 
gonna do my best. Yeah. All right. That that's stay tuned for that. We're try to get some uh, some video of Greg Olson signing the gnome for the second time in his in his life. See if he remembers the first time. But my other yeah, and hope my other favorite oh, go thing. Ahead. Go ahead and finish finish your gnome talk. I was just gonna say, make sure to follow us on the CSR Snapchat. Which uh, what's the handle on that, guys? CSR Snaps. I've been pretty bad about putting stuff on there because you know I've been doing it for so long. But but uh, well, I'll well let me give you a suggestion. A uh, a great thing to put on that would be having that thing signed. Oh yeah, that's so, that's that's just, definitely uh, yeah. That's the point is because uh, I'll have I'll be accompanied next time, so I'll be the the bearer of the gnome, and I'll hopefully get. Uh, a recording of Olson's reaction to say, "Hey, Greg, can you sign my gnome?" And see if he remembers the last time he did that, because apparently his reaction the first time was uh, worth the price of admission. It was <laughs> his reaction to being asked to sign the gnome is probably my favorite Panthers memory, and that <laughs> includes watching them play in the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> it it was the best thing I have ever seen at training camp. The look on his face, it words can't even describe it. The the confusion <laughs> and the you could just see the wheels turning in his head, and then the realization of this guy's serious. He really wants me to sign a gnome, and then the 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 defeat in his eyes, and he's just like, "All right, I guess I'll do it," and he signed it. Did uh, well. I didn't realize that some of the other guys had signed it. Did, were the other reactions similar? Did they just kind of take it in stride? No, no. Most people just took it in stride and signed it. Greg Olson was the only <laughs> one that really was surprised. The only one that didn't know what a gnome was. I, I think that could be it. He might not have known what a gnome is. And uh, the other good reaction we got was from Dave Gettleman. He he acted like you know you actually want my autograph. <laughs> I, I don't. I never sign anything. Um. But yeah, nothing will ever beat Greg Olson signing the gnome. I'm kind of surprised that he had that he said that because you would think that most of the people attending training camp are pretty, you know, they obviously are very enthusiastic about the Panthers because they're willing to go sit out there and watch them practice. That more of them would be uh, interested in talking to or having Dave Gettleman sign stuff. That they would know who he is or want to speak with him, but. Well, nobody likes Dave Gettleman, so that, you know. Well, I guess he, well, all the fans do. <laughs> people that don't work with him do. Yeah, but, but you know, I bet people, I bet more people asked Marty Herney for his autograph because he's yeah. friendlier. That wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> oh, if, man. If, if he was even there. My favorite thing from training camp, um, I didn't get a lot of it, but there's little bits of it, was, um, well, two things. One, seeing people wearing jerseys of different teams. Like, we saw a Redskins jersey and a Cowboys jersey there, and I don't understand why I even bother. Like, who are you impressed Yeah, with? I didn't get that either. It's like when you go to the uh, – when you go to pretty much any sporting event, but whenever you go to a Panthers game, um, I guess, Brad, you've never experienced this, but uh, I don't think I've ever been to a Panthers game and not seen a Steelers jersey, no matter who they're playing. It could be like Panthers versus Saints, and there's at least one guy wearing a Steelers jersey every single time. That- that makes no sense to me. I don't understand which. Like, I get it. You're like, oh, we'll live in Charlotte, so I have to watch the Panthers. But like, who, what are you trying to prove by wearing your jersey of a team that's not even involved in this game? That you're just yeah. a douchebag. Pretty much. Yeah. My, that my, that doesn't make any sense. I could understand it if the Panthers were playing the Steelers. Oh yeah. You know, that that makes sense. But no, like you said, what well, didn't what Jonathan Jones do like a jersey watch for every Panthers game? See how many teams he could get. 
from every game, even if they weren't playing. I thought I remember something like that. That sounds like something he would do. <laughs> my, but my other favorite thing from training camp was overhearing other people's takes on the Panthers. Because uh, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> those some of those things are are top notch entertainment. Um, I think I heard somebody say they were talking about Josh Norman, which one very topical, very uh, recent dis- t- uh, discussion worthy topic, and um, they were discussing whether or not the Panthers made the right call with that, uh, which we haven't talked about enough. And I think one of the guys implied, or I think he straight up said, but I might have misunderstood him. That if we spent the money on Norman, like we wouldn't have been able to uh, sign other players like Cam. Like signing Josh Norman would have uh, made us let go of Cam Newton, was what I <laughs> think I heard, which is most likely incorrect. <laughs> but um, no, very. Oh my god! But that was what I think one person's theory was. I was a bit, I was a bit taken aback by that. But I wasn't going to go to a stranger and say, "Wait, what did you just say?" Because that was very wrong. I mean, yeah. that's the funny I'm thing. I'm not about an sports. economist, but that doesn't sound like that's correct. Yeah, I didn't. Think that's so the funny either. thing about sports is that uh, you get the people who tr- pretend to know what they're talking about and don't sometimes, oh. and it's really it's it it creates the greatest of takes. I like, was sitting, yeah, I was sitting in a restaurant one time, a tangential story here, and across the other table, like the table next to where we were sitting, there were these four guys, and they were you know they're just talking about guy stuff, talking about sports. Except it was like one guy doing ninety percent of the talking, and it was almost all Panther related. And they left, and I was, you know, ninety nine percent of what that guy just said was all just factually incorrect. And all the other guys around him were beat <laughs> up, right? Yeah, to- like yeah, you're totally right, absolutely. And the guy, nothing he said was right at all. Where do you guys get this like information from? Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Sports Talk He's Radio. Asking- not Facebook us. and ESPN. Sadly enough, ESPN perpetuates a lot of this crap. Well, yeah. Um, yep. If you if, if you were in the night shift, you saw that as a discussion topic. Uh, yeah. ESPN. It, it, well, we we talked about it. Where ESPN, uh, I, I call them like the Planet Fitness of uh, sports journalism because you appeal to everybody, and then you don't actually have to know what you're talking about because the people consuming your product don't know what you're talking about either. So you can be wrong, and nobody knows. They just, you yep. just repeat your information. Yeah, it's like sports for dummies. Yeah, basically. And that's most of the people so speak- that consume it. Go ahead. That was it. Is most of the people that consume it don't. So, like, most people that watch ESPN know very little about the Panthers. They can say whatever they want about the Panthers, and very few people will actually, you know, know that they're wrong. They'll just take it as fact, and then that will be what they base their opinion off of for the rest of their life. So speaking of uh, being factually incorrect or uh, the hot takes that involve places like ESPN, um, that video surfaced of uh, Christian McCaffrey basically juking the crap out of Luke Keekley, And uh, some of the people came out and said, well, Luke Keekley did the right thing and he corralled him inside and that would have been an easy tackle. So what are you guys' thoughts on uh, Christian McCaffrey so far through camp? He's pretty good. I, I think he's going to be pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That listen, I don't pretty good. I understand that, like you know, in a in a real game, there would probably be more than one person chasing him, and that would affect the outcome of that play. But either way, um, Luke Keekley is. We've always talked about he's always in on every tackle, no matter what who the player is or where the play is going. 
the fact that it took him basically four tries to get a hand on McCaffrey, uh, even in a one-on-one drill, says a lot about McCaffrey's agility and ability to create space. Because if, if he can get away from Luke Keekly multiple times like that, he can get away from anybody else with much less resistance. And one thing that we uh, that was being played up was the fact that it's a one-on-one drill where the offensive player obviously has a lot more space to work with. But that said, I mean, over the course of Keekly's career, we've seen him come through on those sweet plays where, like, it's just him and the guy and the running back or, like, maybe even with a blocker and he still makes a play, no problem. Like, that's... Yeah, and even it's, it's pretty impressive to see that guy to see Keekley get danced around like that by a rookie running back. I mean, he's he's not exactly a spring chicken, you know. He's he knows what he's doing. He's been he's been in the league. He's one of the fastest linebackers. He knows how to form tackle somebody. And McCaffrey just made him look kind of dumb. And like, granted, it wasn't a full contact drill, but at the same time, you look at all the angles on that and. Keekley probably wasn't going to tackle him, even if it was full contact. <laughs> well, yeah. The, the other thing is they talk about, like, well, he, he, he ran him inside to all the help and stuff. Um, no matter what the situation was, would be in that same – like, no matter what the uh, alignment in that situation in a real game, nobody else is helping to cover McCaffrey in that situation. And he created a ton of space just with his route. Um, and then that initial move to get by Keekley. No, it with – not only would there be other defenders, there'd also be blockers. And if there's one thing McCaffrey's good at, it's setting up and using blocks. So I think not necessarily exactly, you know, oh, he's better in the open field than Keekly is tackling, but more so than he just kind of showed off uh, that agility that we, is super exciting. Yeah, one of the things Mike Kraft was impressed with with McCaffrey more than anything else was his ability to move laterally like that and shift directions without slowing down like he can move left to right without missing a beat without slowing down and then turn and go straight back up the field all in one fluid motion and you know he told me and he told me not to get too hyped up so <laughs> don't get too hyped up too late. but he threw out the name Emmett Smith and he said that Christian McCaffrey reminds him of Emmett Smith the way he, he used to run the way he used to move and, and set up blocks uh, and, and create space for himself behind the line of scrimmage so he didn't get hit. And if if McCaffrey can be a fraction of what Emmett Smith was behind that offensive line, uh, then he's going to be really good. And, you know, once again, don't get too hyped up, but the guy he reminds me of is Barry Sanders. He looks he looks like Barry Sanders back there. That was kind of what you I know, thought you were back. going when you, when you said that he was, he was getting all hyped up. Uh... When you yeah, see, I don't want to get you guys excited, and I'm like thinking, uh, Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders. And That's what I thought he was going to say, too. I was sitting there when I was talking to him, and in my head, I'm going, he's going to say Barry Sanders, and he's going to ruin this poor kid's career. <laughs> um, but, no, you know, but he said in this yeah, yeah, we're going to ruin his career. You know, nobody else has <laughs> not, to worry about that. Yeah, not, we're not, we're going to, Mike Kraft's off the hook. We're going to be the ones to compare him to Barry Sanders and, uh, and ruin his career. Um, McCaffrey moves like Madden from 10 years ago before they like really fixed the physics engine where you could just change directions at any angle and the player would still be running the same speed. That's basically yeah. how McCaffrey moves in real life. He does. He moves like he doesn't have knees. Like yeah. his legs 
his upper legs and lower legs are on a rotating ball. Like there's not a knee there. And I've never seen anybody like that since Barry Sanders. And it's just, and I'll say like, I, uh, I made the, uh, the mistake of before the draft comparing him to Danny Woodhead. This kid is not like Danny Woodhead. Yeah. What, (laughs) what, what, what do he, what does he have in common with Danny Woodhead? Like what, I what mean, traits? Like, they both catch. They both catch passes out of the backfield, and like they're hardworking guys. First guy on the field, last guy off. You know, um, but <laughs> they both coaches on the field. They look like they're they've got that that determination and grit. Like you know, they're leaders. Uh, they're exactly. They 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 play the game like as a thinking man. You know, they they've got a lot going on upstairs. They're um, sneaky athletic. They're like a coach on the field. You know, they're sneaky fast. See, I, yep, see exactly. you, you thought he was going to be Danny Woodhead. I personally was thinking Rex Burkhead, or maybe uh, Toby but Gerhardt. Yeah, I, uh, I don't, just that was my first gut instinct when I saw him play. But I don't know where that would have yeah, come from. Yeah, I, I know, right? Crazy, like those three guys all having something in common. Yeah. I don't know what the heck that would be, I just, but anyway, it's just kind of a feel. Um, it. Yeah, it's just a feel after watching the game for so many years. But uh, they, uh, <laughs> um. But yeah, I've ne- I really haven't seen a player like McCaffrey since I started really seriously being involved in the uh, watching of how people do things on the field and their technique and their their cuts and their foot movement and their and all that kind of stuff. And I gotta say, he's a different kind of animal than somebody like Danny Woodhead. That guy, this kid can move. He's so efficient and, too. With his movement, but he knows what he's doing too. Like it's not even like he is good at cutting or he's good at making people miss. Like when he makes somebody miss, it's in a way where it's a highly impactful play afterwards. They fall he down. Makes people, he makes people. Yeah, he makes people miss, and then like he gets ten to fifteen yards extra because he his awareness of the field that he's looking at is just so good. It's just it's kind of mind blowing, and I'm really excited to see Carolina use him that way, but. To uh, move on to our next point. Oh, I got one more thing about um, McCaffrey, what I was just kind of sort of saying. Oh, go ahead. Go With ahead. His, by all means. Well, kind of – it almost – I remember when you first watch him, and it, it kind of takes a while to kind of really grasp how quick he is. Because I remember discussions on, on CSR where, some, where uh, certain users were like, I don't think he's that quick because he chops his steps. But it's like he – it's deceptive because he takes – he has such little wasted motion in, with, with his cuts – that it it almost you kind of lose how, track of how fast he's moving, and that's part also part of how he gets so much extra yardage after making people miss. Is not only can he sidestep people, he can sidestep them while not losing any speed and keep going. He doesn't have to gear back up after making the first guy miss. And yeah, he's got a low center of gravity too. I mean, like yeah. people who go people who go after him oftentimes, like you saw in college, people bounce off of him sometimes yeah. too, just by his size. So. He's sneaky fast and <laughs> sneaky strong. He is he is fast. Like <laughs> if you watch his highlights and stuff, no, he doesn't get run down from behind ever. I know it's against college and stuff. We haven't seen in the pros yet, but if, you never see him break through the hole and then a DB get an angle on him or anything. He always if he gets past the last guy, he's not he's gone. He hasn't. I've never seen him get get caught running in a straight line. Yeah, one of my favorite clips from him is when he played when they played Iowa the and, in the bowl game and the return where he put um I can't remember the linebacker's name now. I think it's Jewel. 
Um, but he put him on skates. Like he he just juked him right out of his shoes, and then he was gone. He's a guy on skates that doesn't know how to skate. Like he straight yeah. fell over. Made him. He made him look foolish. All right, Brian, move us on. So what I was going to say, um, I think what I'll actually do is uh, bring us, since there's three of us on here and you guys were obviously at training camp, I was going to bring up specific players, but instead what I'm going to do is give you guys each your own opportunity to mention somebody that has, st- has stood out in camp, other than Christian McCaffrey, obviously, because we just talked a lot about him. Um, so to both you guys, I'll start with you, John. Uh, who stood out to you most in training camp so far? Uh, can I say one position, but it's two different people? Is that allowed? Sure, go is right that, ahead. Is that not against the rules? Uh, I like that I hear good things about both people, that are, both guys that are supposed to be at left tackle. Um, Khalil, before he You took my it, point, you son of a bitch. Anyway. Well, you, you know what? You, you made me come... You, you changed the, the, the way we were going with this, and I... It's a good <laughs> answer. Fair enough. Um, yeah, no, Matt Khalil, because it's, it's nice to hear that he's been looking good. Um, I'm not concerned about the... the Whatever, what his, whatever his issues are, just what is, it, is he the one with the groin injury? Groin injury. Yeah, he's just it's yeah. just muscle. I'm just I'm assuming it's just muscle fatigue and soreness and stuff. Um, but Sila Tolu, you can expand on that clue if you want to. I'm more happy to hear that Sila Tolu's look adequate as a backup left tackle for as much um ire as he draws from fans for not being Alshon Jeffrey and kind of flaming out while he was here because he couldn't stay healthy. It's nice to kind of. Nice little redemption story for him to be come back at left tackle. And it's not like he's going against bad competition, especially if he's getting first seat reps with Khalil out. He's going against guys like Peppers and Johnson and Addison in these drills, and apparently he's holding up well. So that's that's encouraging. Yeah. Are you guys hearing no, any background? No, it back- definitely is. Can I, are you guys hearing any background noise from me? Like No. Okay. No. Sorry. There's there's a Except for maybe a cat here and yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But... It's okay. I might have to walk the dog. Sorry. There, the dog and the cat are having are fighting. So I can That's carry right. on. Anyway, BW, uh, who who would be your player? Uh, well, I, I would probably. <laughs> uh, well, Harrison Butker's actually looked really good in practice. Um, <laughs> no, um, I, I would probably go with the wide receiver group because there's a couple of guys that you know when when camp started, we thought this guy has absolutely no chance at making the roster, but Austin Duke has looked really good. Um, I don't think he's going to make the team. I think he'll end up on the practice squad. I think he'll be one of the two or three guys that, that we end up keeping there. Um, but I've been impressed with what I've seen out of him so far. Uh, I, you know, we have to talk about your boy, um, <laughs> AKA the God, AKA Brenton Burson. Um, you know, Panthers fans can hate on him all they want, but he's going to make the team. Um, but uh, another guy that's looked good, which is fine. He should. He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. I don't, I don't um, ever understand people getting all worked up over. He's the greatest of all the time. Number six to be wide exact. receiver on the team, anyway. Yeah, you know, and I'll, I'll I'll mention I'll we'll talk about that, and then I'll get back to my other point. I don't understand it either. Why people get so worked up over Brenton Burson? Like John just said, he's the sixth wide receiver on the depth chart. He never plays. Uh, the only time he does is when two or three guys are hurt. It's not like we're putting him out there instead of Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, you know, he's on the 53-man roster, but he's not on the 46-man roster. So it's I'm not that big of a deal. I'm fairly certain that Burson is our fault, to be honest, because we <laughs> I think so, so bad. 
So I, I think it's, so. it's trickled back to the Panthers, and they're like, the fans are seeing something in this guy. We got to keep him around. <laughs> yeah, so we, you know, we, 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 we're we, trying to make the fan experience <laughs> better than anybody else, so we got to keep this guy on the team. He's a fan favorite um, from from what the he's NFL. a fan favorite. Uh, but back to the back to the question, um, I really like what Kalen Clay is doing. He is trying to make himself um, versatile. He's taking punt returns. Uh, I think that's a way he can make the team. I don't think that, despite how good he is at it, I don't think that Ron Rivera really wants Christian McCaffrey to be punt returner one because I don't think they want to risk getting him injured. Uh, so any wide receiver who can return punts is probably going to be, you know, get a be- have a better shot at making the roster. And I think that punt returner two uh, role is going to be a battle between Kalen Clay and Demir Bird. And I think whichever one of them plays better uh, during the preseason will be the one that gets the nod. I think that's an important role too, because McCaffrey's our starter at that position and I wouldn't be surprised if there are instances during games where if McCaffrey's getting a heavier load on offense, either from Stewart being injured or just how the game flow is going, that they're going to need a – he needs to be spelled on punts every now and then. Yeah, I agree. And also, you know, in those games when it's, you know, 30-7, to 7, and it doesn't matter who's winning or who's losing, when it's 30-7, to 7, you don't want Christian McCaffrey returning punts. No. No. Uh, you know, unnecessary you injury. Say, yeah. yeah, unnecessary injury. You don't want that. That's when you want Brenton Burson back there. You need a second guy for the entertainment value. Yeah, yeah. No, those are both. Those are good points for from both of you. So the guy that I'm going to bring up is uh, our favorite wide receiver, Brenton Burson. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we need more Brenton Burson so, talk. That's what people. That's what the people want. Yeah, we we always need that because that's what the, all the Carolinas need the sunshine. <laughs> so, but. I'm actually going to talk about Daryl Worley. Um, people have been making a lot of play. Uh, people have been making a lot of talk about James Bradbury, but Worley's been having his uh, having a bit of a bit of a feud with Kelvin Benjamin on those one on one on those one on one drills, which is funny because Benjamin's got like what five inches on him and like thirty to forty pounds on him. That's that's what he has on but most Worley's, corners, yeah. Yeah, and Worley's been making some plays. Like he's got, he had an interception a couple days ago, or I should say, three days ago on that on a uh, Benjamin. He uh, knocked a pass away on Benjamin. Like that guy's been pl- been playing pretty hard in uh, in practice, and I, it's it's promising to see a guy like him go up against the Panthers, essentially their best wide receiver right now, and go toe to toe with him and go fifty fifty with them. I mean. Benjamin's the kind of player where it's like sometimes the ball's going to get thrown up to him and there's just no way the corner has a chance at it. No matter how lazy Benjamin may be <laughs> on that on that specific drive or whatever, Benjamin just has the size and he can box people out. We know this. No matter whether it's his rookie year or last year, he can still do that to really a lot of corners in the NFL. Corner, the fact that Worley basically. has been the fact that Worley's been fighting him off and making plays is really promising because it sounds like Worley's starting to come back into his own because he, he started off a little slower than uh, Bradbury did last year. And uh, having him be a, a, you know, a viable option outside of Bradbury is going to be huge, especially since the Panthers face receivers like uh, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, even Michael Thomas. They're all like size mismatches, like having those two tall physical corners is good. And the fact that Worley is coming along so well, is promising. I did say Bradbury is another name that has been that I'm excited about. Where uh, 
kind of the big shoes to fill with the number 24 cornerback. And coming out and picking off multiple passes while having literally having one hand. Um, I think he's going to be pretty good. Can I give my hot take on that now? Please. Oh, God, here we go. Uh, Bradbury's better than Norman. I think I think he will be. We'll see if, how it goes this year. I think he is. I think he is already. Not will be. Is yes. Uh, especially if you compare their first two oh, years. Oh, for sure. At this point in their careers, it took it took Josh Norman like thirty years to be good. <laughs> uh, and he was already like what fifty when he joined. He, uh, yeah, you know, the he's NFL. a good forty-seven years old, forty-seven year old rookie, I believe. Yeah, and. Uh, Bradbury was already – he was good last year as a rookie mm-hmm. uh, in an impossible situation. Um, you know, the only reason Julio Jones put up 300 yards on us in that game is because Bradbury got hurt. Yeah, I really believe that if Bradbury would have played that game, Julio would have only had about 100, 150 yards, which is, you know, that's respectable that's for good. Julio Jones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for a rookie, but, it was like third uh, game too, which was, I think that was what it was. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I mean, a rookie in his third game, and you have to line up against Julio Jones. Yeah. So, you know, but I, I think he's better than Josh Norman, and I do think that letting Josh Norman go was the right call. Yeah, I the I definitely agree that he's better than this point and at his career than Norman was. Norman was – he was just bad for, what, two and a half years that he was here? First two and yeah, half he was he not was just awesome not just for two not He wasn't even, like, just, you know, satisfactory, below average. He was awful. He's like single-handedly cost us games on more than one occasion, and just kind of it just clicked. And Bradbury is already—he's got a major leg up there that I think he could definitely be in that same tier, if not above Norman, uh, sooner rather than later. I think this year could be a big. I think he—I think he'll have a really big year, whether other people see it or not remains to be seen. Yeah, but as Panthers fans, I think we'll be very privy to that. He's going to end up you know, being like Chris Gamble. He's going to be yeah. better than people realize because teams are going to not throw his way. Mm-hmm. And we're going to find out in two, three more years just how good he is because we're not going to be able to afford to keep him. You know, we're going to, we're going to have to draft a replacement for him in two years in order to keep the cycle going. Yeah, no problem, right? Just another late round lockdown quarterback. Yeah, just draft another late rounder from a, a Division One Double A school, and you know it'll work out just fine. So, so far, so good. You know, I I'm gonna before we move on to our next point, I'll just say this: I think that I I agree that Bradbury was extremely impressive in his first year, but I don't know if he's gonna be at the level that Norman was before Norman left in his second year. I still think he's gonna take some time. Um. That said, he's got the press corner tendencies, but what Norman did so well was just that he understood the game in his last few years of the Carolina. He understood how the route trees worked and what the wide receiver is going to run. Like, don't get me wrong. Like letting Norman go was right simply because he was asking for way too much money, but that dude had the game down pat in his mind. Like he, it wasn't as much about his athletic ability or his size as much as that he just knew most likely what the wide receiver was going to run against him. And he he was very instinctive about it. And in his first few years, when he was instinctive, a lot of times it either worked out really well or it worked out terribly. We're like, for example, uh, this past year against the Giants, Josh Norman let Odell Beckham run down the field wide open, but Eli Manning didn't throw it to him because he had to get rid of it fast enough, and Norman knew that. 
So that intellectual part of the game is not something to be downplayed, but I think Bradbury can definitely develop that, and he's already had, he already has the tendencies that we saw from Norman five years into his career compared to, you know, Bradbury in his second year. So, but anyway. He, um, well, he did. Bradbury got the, the praise from Demarius Thomas after week one, didn't he? Thomas saying that was, he's, that was his kid's going to be good. He knows what he's doing. Um, yeah. The other thing with Josh Norman. But they always do that. Yeah. The other thing with Josh Norman, Josh Norman, watching him cover wide receivers is like watching a jungle cat chase after its prey. Like he moves at the exact same direction and time as the receivers he's covering. Like there's no reaction time between when a receiver makes his break and when Josh Norman makes the break with him. It's it's really fascinating to watch how quickly he reacts and and jumps routes when he sees guys making their breaks. Yep. Exactly. So to uh to move us on, I guess we'll we'll uh, branch it out a little bit to uh, what's going on in the NFL right now. Um, so I'll bring up the uh, Ryan Tannehill thing. Um, obviously, the whole R- Ryan Tannehill went for a run today. Uh, you know, his knee buckled, and then now the Dolphins are all up in arms because they don't know what's going on. It kind of reminds me of the Kelvin Benjamin situation from a couple years ago because the MRI came back and it was like, it was inconclusive, which the first news reported was that Ryan Tannehill was fine, but now coming from like the Miami Herald and pro football folk or pro football talk, apparently that doesn't mean a whole lot because he just recently had a partial tear of his ACL. So what do you guys think of that, that whole thing? I thought it was weird that they said the MRI was inconclusive because it's like I, I said, it's uh, if it's a torn ACL, like you, you look and it's like, well, here's where the ACL is supposed to be. Either, Miami Dolphins quarterback here, Ryan Tannehill hyperextended his left knee um, during. Sorry. Um, and it was weird to me that they were inconclusive on that. But the latest I saw was it said there was no structural damage, but it's obviously hurts. So I, I don't know. Is it maybe he just aggravated it? It's, it's an interesting situation because I guess it's like it's not completely torn or else they would have seen that right away, right? Well, to elaborate on that, it wasn't – the MRI came back and said it was inclusive. Yeah. They said there wasn't structural damage, damage, but apparently, according to a lot of the sources that I was looking at, that coming back inconclusive after a partial ACL tear is something where a normal physician would be like, okay, we really need to look into this. Yeah, I would imagine. So, yeah. So it's not something where it's just like no structural damage, he's okay. It's no structural damage slash it's inconclusive as in we need to look into this more. Yeah. Was what I gathered. But anyway, BW, what do you have to say about that? Well, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm freaking out because um, without Ryan Tannehill, they have absolutely no chance of catching the Patriots in the in the AFC East, and they don't really have much of one anyway. But you know, having their starting quarterback gives them a, a fighting chance. But if he's done for the year, like if if the inconclusive quote unquote turns into torn ACL then they may as well just pack it up. They're done. No faith in Matt Moore. But hey, they, they have Matt Moore, man. <laughs> I've seen enough of Matt Moore to be confident in, in my prediction. Wouldn't you just love a Monday night showdown, Matt Moore revenge game against Carolina Panthers in Carolina? Oh, that would be great. Oh, God. 
Monday night prime time. I hope he gets sacked. Featured storyline of the night. Double digits. <laughs> that's a little. That's a little. Why the malice? Matt Moore didn't do anything to you. No, I love Matt. Matt Moore was the best quarterback we had in 2010. Or 2009, you could argue. 2009? Hey, Brian St. Pierre was good, all right? Brian St. Pierre had a good game. Don't, 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 don't dock that guy. Come on. Brian St. Pierre is one of those people that I wonder how they, like, how does, he was what, in his 30s by the time that he signed with us? To, to step yeah, in? he was like 35 does, when they signed. He also literally had a kid that week. How, how does somebody stay, like, in the Rolodex for that long and not ever play? Because he played, like, five games in his career and somehow managed to stick around for, like, 10 years. Like, do teams just be like, hey, this Brian guy is pretty nice to have for practice? Like, oh, sure, I'll take your word for it. Like, how does he. It's the, my, it's the technique they use to hold the clip. I guess That's so. The key. Well, my favorite thing about the Brian St. Pierre story is John Fox decided that he would rather call Brian St. Pierre, who was literally changing diapers in his house, than give Armani Edwards a chance at quarterback. I just can't imagine that there was nobody better that could that we could sign at that point in time than Brian St. Pierre. I don't I didn't follow football as closely as I do now, but I refuse to believe that Brian St. Pierre was the top guy on the free agent market at that time. Hey, he almost well, beat the Ravens, so Yeah, he almost beat the Ravens, but that's the point. <laughs> I mean, the Panthers were what, like one in ten at that point? Yeah. I mean it was yep. let Armani play, you know, <laughs> just see what the kids got. We're not gonna go to the playoffs. The best we can hope for is six and ten, and that's if a miracle happens. We've just lost everything. You know, put Armani in there and see what he's got. Yeah, I mean, at that point, too, like, we were out of the playoff race for so long. It's not like, like well, he didn't practice at quarterback. Like, give him a couple weeks. Who cares? Give him a couple weeks to practice. It would have actually been fun to watch. That's the point of sports, isn't it? Yes. So I was saying earlier, put Brenton Burson well, back there on punt returns if it's a blowout, just, just to watch the fun, the wackiness that ensues. Yeah. Well... As John Fox would say, it was what it was. But, so, yeah, anything else that you guys feel we should cover right now? Um, or any any points you want to bring up? I feel bad for Jaguars. There's a lot of injuries. That was Yeah, that was the other thing before the Jaguars, the injuries. We talked about it earlier in our just discussions. How, why, I'd love to see why the NFL, or if there's a, like, why do so many players get hurt from non-contact injuries in practice? in these training camps, like bas- other sports like basketball and soccer and whatnot, they do just as much running and cutting and jumping and changing directions and stuff. We don't see nearly the amount of non-contact injuries that we do in football. Like the Chargers, half their teams out with the season for a torn ACL and they haven't even made it the first preseason game yet. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's crazy. It's, and then, and then, um, because who they lost Forrest Lamp rookie. He's out for the year. Yep. Um, yeah, he's out for the year. Who yep. else has gone down the last couple of days? Uh, Sterling Shepard got hurt. With the, he sprained his ankle. Um, the Ravens' entire team is tearing their ACL or dislocating their hip. It's or hurting their back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The the deadlifting. Yeah, Jacksonville's long snapper tore his that ACL in practice. How, do, how does a long snapper tear his ACL Wait, in practice? What was he like, doing? How does that happen? We. 
when we were watching the Panthers practice on Saturday, I don't think JJ Jansen moved at all. <laughs> he like, didn't do any, the whole he definitely didn't break a sweat. He didn't do anything. And he was <laughs> he he didn't do anything. 85, 90 degrees, and he didn't break a sweat. Like he, he the most he did was walk from place to place. He walked from the practice field to the other <laughs> practice field to the locker room. That's all he did. He, I think he long snapped, quote unquote, like three times the whole two hours we were out there. He, he did nothing. How, how do you lose your long snapper to a torn ACL? I, I just, it's, it's baffling. I mean, it would make sense if like he was at his house and like he fell down his stairs or something, you know, that, yeah. that happens, but he, he was on the field. He was at practice. How, why is your long snapper even doing anything? Yeah, that was that's a, a just a baffling injury. Um, how would you guys feel if JJ Jansen got hurt? Would you be upset? Would you? I mean, obviously, personally, you'd be upset. But uh, how much concern would you have if your team's long snapper went down for the season? It would change my projection from twelve and four to eight and eight. Really, big big. Really, deal. I think the long snapper <laughs> is that important. And, you know, I, I always say that about special teams, and it's a joke. Of but, course you do. Yeah. But, joke, quote, unquote. But, you know, for real, no joke, real talk, the long snapper is one of the four most important players on the team. And you never notice the long snapper until you have a bad one. That is, I remember, what was the Raiders, like, five years ago, the long snapper got hurt early in a game, and they had to have the backup come in. Yeah. And he just snaps flying everywhere for the rest of the game. Snaps were flying everywhere. They couldn't punt. They couldn't kick field goals. They couldn't. They couldn't do anything because their long snapper couldn't snap. And they lost that game because of it. They were either tied or winning when their long snapper got hurt, if I remember right. But it has been like five years ago, so I probably don't. But um, they lost that game, and losing their starting long snapper was a big reason behind that. Yeah, I do think that J.J. Jansen, and I said 8-8, eight and eight, I probably did embellish it a little bit, but I do think J.J. Jansen is at least a 2-3 to three win swing if he gets hurt. I mean, with how many games come down to uh, last-second field goals and stuff like we saw this past year, if you got a guy that's going to come in and, uh, and fudge a snap under pressure, it's no bueno. No, yeah. definitely not. Um. Anything else around the league? There's one other thing I forgot to mention when we were back talking about training camp. We're just going to go in a circle. Um, Julius Peppers is big. Yes, yeah. he's a very large man. It's, it doesn't – I mean, it's, you see it in pictures and videos. You're like, oh, look at that guy. He's bigger than everybody else. Like, seeing him in person, it's just unfathomable that, that a human being could be that large. Like, he's standing next to the other fact that human beings and still looks huge. The fact that he's 37 years old and K1 short is like, I'm taking notes when he's going up against offensive linemen. is just mind blowing. Like K1 short's got to be what? 24, 25, maybe he's, not he's even older than that. He's an older rookie. I think he's like 27 or 28 or something, but, but still like Julius Peppers has at least a decade on him. And K1 short, one of the best defensive tackles in the league is like, I'm taking notes on this guy who theoretically most players at his age are not, playing at that level especially for a defensive lineman playing I mean, at all the guy is just a freak man and like carolina is going to benefit because now they have three co-starters there with addison and johnson and peppers so it's like that rotation is going to be scary for a lot of teams i did think it was interesting that uh on the first unofficial official unofficial depth chart 
that um, Julius Peppers was listed as the number three defensive end behind Johnson and Addison. But yeah, that makes I sense, that was though. Funny too. I, I don't. But that makes sense. Yeah, I, I. I mean, like, I imagine it's, Peppers is good. Sorry. I was gonna say Peppers is just gonna be there. Like he's gonna be more so used in passing situations. So it does make sense. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's a fluid situation. Just kind of depends on what package they want to throw out there to start the game with. Um, yep. I don't think any, any of the three of them particularly cares who's on the field first. They're pretty. I'm pretty sure, like you no, said, they they're don't. gonna probably all split it pretty much pretty. Pretty evenly throughout the season, I think, with with snap count, maybe a little more in favor of Addison because he's the young buck at thirty one, or whatever he is. Yeah, um, starter in our defense just means you were on the field for the first play. That that's really all yep. it means, and uh, it's going to be a heavy rotation. And just a note for our kind listeners who are going to be listening to this: uh, the unofficial, official, unofficial depth chart. They're required by the league to do that. Um, none of the coaches really care. They don't even like it. They don't. They only do it because they have to. So I wouldn't be surprised if if Ron just wrote names down and then, you know, like he took a copy of the roster and then he took an empty chart and he just wrote names down. I'm honestly surprised that he got like Cam Newton as QB one. Um, <laughs> you know, Kelvin Benjamin is, is wide receiver one. I'm surprised he didn't just troll people and put you know. Shit like Joe Webb is the starting quarterback, and Cam's got to earn you know Brent Burson and Austin Duke as the starting wide receivers. You know stuff like that. Those first depth charts, it's always like the roster to end the last season, and then they just like tack on the new guys at the end of it. Basically, yeah, yeah. and people take it so seriously. <laughs> like, why is Brent Burson wide receiver two? Uh, because he's, he's the best wide receiver wide of all time. Well, Samuel's he, number six. Is he even going to make the team? Yeah, exactly. Uh, he hasn't practiced because he's hurt. He's gonna he's gonna end up number probably two by the end of the season. Just just it doesn't matter. It's like the same. It's the same thing every year. Same discussion happens every year. Uh, yep, that's why we turn Brenton Burst into a meme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so proud of that. Hey, um, you, you made you made a thing on the internet. That's good for you. I did. I'm glad that I can die knowing I did that. <laughs> If we're um, going to be known for something, I would rather it be known for making a meme out of the greatest player to ever come out of Wofford College. <laughs> Jerry Richardson's going to have a bone exactly. to pick with Or do you not think he would? Yeah, yeah. so do I. <laughs> so so anyway, um, I guess that concludes our podcast. Oh, no, 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 have... we, no. no. Okay. we have uh, something happening next Wednesday that we have to talk about. I know we've kind of talked. Ooh, that preseason game. We have game. a game. That's right. That's on a Wednesday. Oh, right. Wednesday. Ooh, Brad, what are you going to do on your Wednesday? It's wait, the wait, only wait. game, too. What are you going to do on your Wednesday night, Brad? I think I'm going to watch Panthers football. Is it, is it Wednesday night your uh, uh, Survivor or whatever? Oh, Survivor's not on right oh, now. Okay. Because I remember we – Yeah, that doesn't come back until the end of September. Uh, oh, perfect. So you got your Wednesdays yeah. wide open for some – on Wednesdays will be free. Some, yeah, some preseason action. Um, the real the real test for me is going to be that fourth preseason game, because every year since like 2005, the fourth preseason game has been on the same night as the opening season game for South Carolina, and I always have to decide: <laughs> would I rather watch the Panthers' fourth preseason game 
or watch South Carolina lose miserably to open the year. Do they always lose, do, so they actually play real games to open the year, or they don't play like the uh, like Southeast Upstate South Carolina University for the first game, like a lot of the big schools do? No, they actually play. They're playing well. I guess you could kind of call it that. They're playing North Carolina State to open the year this <laughs> Ooh, year. You made some people very um, unhappy right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but no, they they generally play their cupcakes toward the end of the uh, year after they've already lost their. Season. So it's it's even more disappointing when they lose. <laughs> they 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 save the wins for after they're already out of the race. Yeah, I guess it doesn't. I guess you don't get the hope. You just lose hope from the beginning. Doesn't have to get smashed later. Exactly. But trust me, I mean, I'm a South Carolina Gamecocks fan. You cannot hurt me. Like, there's nothing you can do to me that will hurt me. I've lived through so much. Well, you can say that about every sports team you root for. You might say yeah, BW has some scars. S C A R W. Yes. Oh, that's that, that's that's good. That's that was good. <laughs> That's a, that, that was good. I'll have to give you that. That was that was solid. Did you make that up on the spot? I did. I, was, I did. But yeah, because I know. Yeah, I, I feel. I was just like listening off the sports teams I know you root for, and uh, in my head, and it's like, yep, that's perennial disappointment. Uh, perennial disappointment. Perennial disappointment. Um, all the way down. The yeah, list. and the thing is, I don't know which one's worse. Like, South Carolina always is terrible, so that's bad. But then on the other side of the coin, I root for Arsenal. Yeah, that was a- They're good, and then they always fall apart at the end of the year every year. So I don't know which is yeah, worse. Yeah, would you rather be terrible and just be and just like just not be good, or would you rather be really good but not quite good enough every single year? Yeah, so it just that's my second, life. Either you, either second place or just not good. There's no no chance of winning. But there's always next year. Always there's next always year. this year. This year's our year until it's not. I think Arsenal. I'm looking forward to Arsenal. But we can't talk about that right now because these people want to hear about the American football. Um, I'm trying to remember last year. Do you guys remember off the top of your head how much key guys played in the first week? I feel like they a lot of them played, but not much, right? Nah, yeah, usually they'll play drives. like they'll play like the opening drive. The the really important guys. I wouldn't be surprised if Cam doesn't play at Ooh, all. That we should touch on that. I would be. I would actually bet money that he doesn't. To be honest, should we, we should. I think we should touch yeah. uh, on our thoughts on Cam Newton. I've seen a little bit of concern from people that he's not practiced or he's not been throwing much the last couple of days. And if that's a concern of your guys, are you guys concerned about that, or is it just nope? No, oh, not me at neither. All. Perfect. Good talk. Um. Yeah. yeah. Ron said he was going to be on a pitch count. I mean, he said that like before camp even started. He said we're going to limit Cam Newton's activity yep. because we're going to get him ready for the season. We're going to protect him and we're going to make sure he's all right. That's pretty much what they they've done. Yeah, we saw we saw him on Saturday a little bit. Uh, he was not holding when he's thrown. He's thrown. Like he's not. He's yeah, not holding he's, back. Yeah, he's not holding back. Yeah. So I have no issue with them resting his shoulder. I mean, how much benefit is he really going to get? Especially most. The one major addition to our wide receiving core is Curtis Samuel, and he's not practicing anyway. So all the other guys, most of the other guys that are going to be out there are guys been throwing to for years anyway. So it's not like he needs to build up a new yeah, rapport with he, a bunch of new guys. Yeah, he hung out with Christian McCaffrey the week before camp started, and they they worked out together. Yeah. So you know they threw some you know stuff like that. So I'm not worried at all. Like that is of the probably. 
three or four things I am legitimately worried about, that's nowhere near being on there. So that's a green level of of threat to me. No, no panic at all. Yeah. Panic buttons. And I, I will not be worried. I know we're going to have to calm people down next Wednesday when he doesn't play. Uh, but I'm not even going to be worried if he doesn't play. I actually hope that he doesn't yeah, I play. Care at all. On I wouldn't be concerned. I don't want to see him play. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got nothing to prove. He's got no reason to risk it. If he feels fine and the coaching staff believes in him, go out there, make a couple of easy plays. Um, no standing back there trying to heave the ball 50 yards with defenders crashing down on you. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a non-issue if he sits it out. Yeah, he does need to play in the preseason, yeah. though, some. You know, he doesn't need to play much. He needs to play a series or two in, in the second game, and he needs to play, you know, the first quarter in the third game mm-hmm. and, you know, the opening drive in the fourth game. But what I really hope they do with the quarterback position, and this is a spicy hot take, um, I want to see if Garrett Gilbert can take either Joe Webb or Derek Anderson's job. And I believe that they should give him the opportunity to do so in the preseason. I feel like game four is going to be – I think Anderson might get the first quarter. Gilbert is for sure getting the whole second half of the fourth game. Uh, I wouldn't oh, be absolutely. surprised. He might even get more uh, yeah, than I was that. Say, I wouldn't be surprised if he even gets all of like quarters two through four. Because um, Webb is as much a wide receiver for us as he's a quarterback. So – I won't be surprised if we see like Webb yeah, go out I, there, play quarterback for like a couple series, and then split out wide and have Gilbert come in. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think they should do that. And I like Derek Anderson. Don't get me wrong, but he's only got maybe two years tops left in him before he's just going to retire. He can't keep his hustle up you know, forever, where he just doesn't. He can't keep he can't keep carrying the team on his back forever, and um. Uh, but seriously, I mean, you know, he's a backup and he's got the easiest job in the world. <laughs> but it it comes to a point where they need somebody else. They need a they need some youth because what happens in two years if something happens to Cam and we have to go with forty eight year old Derek Anderson? That's not a good idea. So now is the time, as good of a time as any. Go ahead and get Garrett Gilbert up in there and see what he's got. He might be good enough to be the third quarterback. And then two years from now, if something were to happen, we don't have to freak out and panic because we've got a backup quarterback who's not 48 we'll years old. We don't have to trade old. a first-round pick for Sam Bradford. We don't have to trade a first-round pick <laughs> for Sam Bradford. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So preseason game one, to wrap up, uh, just – I'm. I really don't know what I'm most excited for. I just like, think I'm excited to watch Panthers and hear Big Mixon poetically ramble about them. Oh, yep, Panthers football. We'll we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely convene and talk about how how those first couple drives went well, and then the la- the rest of them were bad. Yeah. Next. Yeah, week, we got to make so. fun of Mick Mixon now because <laughs> John brought it up. Um, I know. I know he's he he's unique. And everything, but I really wished he would stop reading like Walt <laughs> Whitman when he's talking about the game. You know, I don't need to know the details about every blade of grass that Cam kicked up off the ground while he, you know, runs like a, a deer through the effervescent streams of the green, beautiful forest. Just tell me about tell me about the game. His his intros on the radio because I hear a lot of his intros on the radio because I get home right at kickoff a lot of times on Sundays. 
and he's got these whole things written out where it's like a bunch of puns and metaphors and stuff and it's just it's it's he sounds like he's reading a short story or a novella like every time he speaks and it's it does that does not surprise it does me. not it just it's it's impressive it's it's a very he's very talented it just it's such a weird juxtaposition with football because it's such a, a violent yeah. sport and it's so macho and then you have McMixon with his poetic uh, take on the game. And then you have right beside him, you have Eugene Robinson, who the only thing he knows how to do is <laughs> yell and scream. Yeah, it's it's we got it's a good foil. <laughs> it's a good foil for him. It's, you have the, the, the diversity in the booth. But uh, I'm excited for next week. When next time we get back on here, we'll actually have a game to talk about, and we have to watch it with our own eyes and make our own opinions on things, other than what the reporters are telling us out of camp. And we can overreact. Heck yeah. That's the best part is we can talk about how bad. We can have our hot takes. We can talk about how bad uh, the eighth wide receiver looked and how great our 14th cornerback looked and how he's going to challenge for a roster spot. It's going to be good times. Brenton Burson's going to light it up, but. If, yeah, with, with, with yeah. Derek Anderson and Joe Webb throwing on the ball. Welcome to episode one, part two, guys. So, yeah. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Later. Yep.